Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and uh, this is going to be a great episode today. I'm excited to be talking about sales with Andy Paul. Andy is the founder of The Sales House, the first all-in-one sales education community for modern B2B sellers and sales leaders. And he created The Sales House for those B2B sales professionals who are at really every stage of their careers to help them achieve readiness, relevance, and resilience, um, and really to be able to take their selling ability to the next level. Uh, He's ranked on LinkedIn or by LinkedIn as number eight on their list of top 50 global sales experts. He's the author of two Amazon best-selling books, and uh, and I know he has just a wealth of uh, wisdom to share with us on sales. So Andy, welcome to The Unstoppable CEO. Well, Steve, thank you for having me. So um, you've accomplished a lot. You, you've got a, a tremendous track record in sales. Help everybody with a little bit of context around what got you to the stage of your career. How'd you become a, a, a sales master? <laughs> Just showing up at work every day for <laughs> four, for four decades. Um, yeah, I think for, for me, really, the, the key over the course of my career is I've done so many things. I, I, my first job was with a, a large company. Um, was that four decades ago in sales, number two computer company in the world at that point. But then my journey really swerved in Silicon Valley in Southern California. I worked for eight different venture-funded startups. Uh, well, not all venture-funded, but startups, and it's primarily in the tech space. And um, yeah, it just sort of rose to the ranks as, as I gained more experience. And for me, it was, it was all about uh, continuing to learn because I was a liberal arts major coming out of college and worked in some fields that required some pretty deep technical expertise. And I was certainly capable as a layperson with the technology, but uh, even each of those steps along the way, I was selling to a different type of account, oftentimes a larger account. So my career arc was sort of selling computers, uh, mini computers, you know, sort of dollars $30,000 worth to the time I uh, finished before starting my own company in 2000, where I was selling communication systems worth millions of dollars to some of the world's largest corporations. So, uh, so you've been in, in sales for four decades. You've, you've uh, you know, launched the sales house. You, you've done all sorts of things in selling. And um, I, I know that that's not always an easy process. It's not always, um, you know, instant and immediate and easy success. So, as you reflect back over over the the four decades you've been selling, mm-hmm. what are some of the ways that you have have kind of stayed focused and remained persistent even when things weren't necessarily going your way? One was was the willingness to take risks, and you know there's such an emphasis on sales, actually an increasing emphasis, unfortunately, it was over the last fifteen twenty years on sort of methodologies and process and, and being sort of conform and conform to a certain way of selling. And yeah, I'm a believer in sort of the exact opposite that, yeah, it's good to be grounded and trained in method and process, but at the end of the day, everybody develops their own unique style that plays to their strengths. And, and we need to enable the people that work for us to go out and discover what those are. And so I was fortunate enough to work for some managers and bosses that encouraged me to, to take some risks, to you know, try something a little outside the ordinary that I thought would work for me based on my strengths, and and you know, <laughs> there was always a downside risk, but 
on the other hand is unless you went out and really tried, you're never going to really see what was possible on the upside. And so for me, that was, that was it. Constant experimentation, uh, learning as much as I could, reading as much as I could about sales, listening to people I thought were really smart people about it and taking the nuggets I could and say, oh yeah, that, that sounds like that would work for me. Let me go try that. You know, the, this conversation we're going to have today is going to, for a lot of our listeners, is going to hit I think a, a, a real chord with them because uh, a lot of the folks that are listening are in, in a professional services business. They probably went to college and got educated to, to go and, and practice their profession. Mm-hmm. And during that entire time, sales never came up. You know, they went five years, <laughs> right. eight years right. in school and nobody ever mentioned sales. But then the minute that they got out and realized, wait, I got to pay their rent. Um, I got to figure out how to get a client. Um, it all kind of changed. And, um, and I know for a lot of them, uh, you know, it, it, it makes them probably a little bit uncomfortable. In other words, it looks sure. to them like, like taking a risk. So as you approached each of these moments where you had to take this risk, so you had to take that next step, um, what, what did you think about? What did you use to kind of push through that? Well, I think it was a degree of self-confidence that, that I was going to find a way. And, you know, I, I've certainly, we've all had failures in our career and I've worked for companies that have, you know, startups that didn't make it as, as many don't, but I've always had this belief that, you know, if I kept on learning, if I kept trying to put myself in a position where I could succeed and do something really interesting that I found really interesting, that, that I would make it work. And so for me, that persistence has come with, I said self-confidence, um, but the self-confidence just didn't pull out of the air. It was that yeah, I was still investing in myself, and I felt as long as I was investing in myself that I was going to put myself in a position to take advantage of the opportunities that, that presented themselves. And yeah, I think that's really important for people to keep in mind is you really are, you, know, you want to have a, a sales plan, you want to have a marketing plan, but as much as anything, you want to make sure you're prepared to take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves that maybe you hadn't counted on. And for many small businesses, that's, that's how they experience rapid growth is that sort of unexpected opportunity came around. They were prepared. They seized it. It forced them to master some new disciplines, but put them in a different position to address maybe a bigger market, a different market, something they hadn't really anticipated. And I think even for the solopreneurs, the same thing is true. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and you never know where that's coming from. Well, it's uh, this element of luck people talk about. And people hate talking about luck because I think <laughs> It, it means, you know, it was lucky. I think what the luck comes is the luck comes in the form of the opportunity. You still have to execute, right? I mean, I've, I've never had anybody just hand me a piece of business or a large order and say, hey, here you go. You know, the blue, I may have had some opportunities present themselves for sure that I wasn't counting on. And then I had to make a decision. It's okay. Is this going to be worth the distractions? Be worth the time and effort? Because it's a little outside the ordinary. But then you sort of say, okay, I got to think a little bit to get through, it's like, yeah, yeah, this could really be an interesting opportunity, interesting growth opportunity. Let's go for it. And so I think that, I think is the key to success. And, you know, we've all heard the expression, but, you know, my dad always used this one is, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And, and I've always embraced that. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, for me, it always comes down to the, the idea that, um, and I think this fits with, with what your dad would say, when you're working harder, you're creating 
more at bats for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. you right. more, more opportunities to, to get up there and, and, and try and make something happen. Um, and, and I think that's really critical. Um, one of the things that, that I know we see a lot with, particularly with, uh, with smaller businesses is that, um, and, and I want to talk about this more as we talk about what you're doing in sales, but they just don't give themselves enough opportunities to really hit the level of success that they want to hit. They don't, they don't understand how much is necessary, uh, particularly early on in a business, to, you know, to, to really get up there. So I think that's, that's a key insight, I think, for everybody listening to, to kind of note. Well, we there's, there's sort of conflicting forces at play because on one hand, people will tell you, and this certainly makes sense, is you want to be able to identify your niche as much as possible. But I think there's, there's for at least for me in my experience, there's always been the sort of step before that, which is, you know, it, it takes some exploring to find that niche. And again, this willingness to have an open mind to say, okay, well, maybe, maybe it's not exactly this. I mean, I always look back when I started my company and anytime I've started something new, it's like, it takes a while to find out what people are willing to pay you for, right? Right. <laughs> and, and it takes a little, bit of, a little bit of exploration, a little bit of risk-taking, and to really find that, that initial sweet spot. And then, again, keep your mind open because another one may come in that's you know, parallel or even perpendicular to that, but may make perfect sense for you. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, kind of going back to your, your original thought there of, the harder you work, the more, you know, the luckier you get, particularly in the early days of a business, the more conversations you're having with people, the more people you're in front of, the more feedback you get about what's really valuable, where the niche really is, all mm-hmm. of that. So I think, I think that all fits together really well. Um, I, I want to take a quick break. We're going to come back and, and dive into some specific stuff around sales. So we'll be right back with more from Andy Paul. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Welcome back, everyone. This is Steve Gordon. I'm talking with uh, Andy Paul. He's the founder of Sales House. And, and uh, Andy, I want to pivot our conversation a little bit. Sure. And I want to I talk about um, the work you're doing in Sales House right. and, and how you're really helping business owners kind of get their, whatever level they're at, kind of get their sales skills and, and, and their sales results to the next level. So right. can you kind of give us an overview of what you're doing there? Sure. Well, the, the premise of starting it came from, again, all my experience of, of you know, trying to grow sales teams and as well as my own capabilities over my career. And what I found is it was much more a function of constant learning and self-education, self-development, as Brian Tracy talks about it, as opposed to formal training. And you know, it's beneficial for companies to, to invest in some training for their people, but it's quite honestly, it's never enough. And so individuals have to take on some responsibility for their own development and companies have to really f- think differently about how they're educating their people. And so the sales house is based on its models is we want people to spend 10, 15 minutes every day learning something new that can help them grow, grow from a per- personal professional standpoint and grow 
revenue, you know, grow their sales. And so we created this, this sales growth engine, we call it, that is a combination of courses and live coaching that we do multiple times a week that I host and a very engaged community on a Slack platform we use and hundreds of hours of content that people can engage in to just get a little bit smarter, a little bit better every single day. We think of people just engage and learn in small bites that the cumulative effect, and I've certainly experienced in my career, the cumulative effect is very powerful. So it's, it's a way for uh, small and mid-sized enterprises that don't have a, a training function to say, okay, here's something we can engage for our people uh, that you know, we can see if they're get engaging with the content, but see if this is a resource that could really help them. We're absolutely a believer that this is the way that the people learn, people learn best. And certainly the way we're going to see more and more learning, even formal training going forward in the future. And sort of the you know, micro learning, people are calling it. But it's, it's just something that doesn't really exist out there in this form. And so we're getting a lot of individuals joining, a lot of solopreneurs, as you talked about it, that people are just, you know, are in a profession, didn't realize that sales is part of it as well as you know, smaller enterprises that are saying, yeah, this is a great resource to enroll our people in because they get the sort of attention, A, that they wouldn't necessarily get from the company, as well as access to uh, courses and learning that's, again, not available anywhere else. Well, you know, we certainly have, have a lot of folks who are, who are in that solopreneur category um, listening, but I'll tell you, the, the ones who I know are feeling the pain are the smaller firms where they've grown, they've got, you know, maybe a founder and then they, the, the founder has gotten the business far enough along where they've brought in some, you know, some, uh, you know, junior associates or junior partners. And, and those people now are growing to the point for the firm to get to the next level. They've got to become producers. Yes. Um, you know, in, in law, they would call them rainmakers, you know, mm -hmm. but they, they've got to be able to go out and, and develop, client relationships. And again, these people are just like the founder in that they got out and suddenly now they're being told, oh, you got to sell, but that's a new term for them. <laughs> and, um, and so thinking about that kind of a firm, because I know that right. that owner is feeling that pain where if they're listening, thinking, I, I really need to get my people started down this journey. They're not maybe going to be the next Brian Tracy by, you know, the end of the quarter, but how do I get them moving down the right path? Where would you right. start? Well, obviously, we'd encourage them to join Sales House, but <laughs> but but our our perspective that, that was the easy answer, right? Yeah, but our perspective is is different than almost anything else you're going to see in sales, which is that yeah, I believe that sales is a service that you provide to a customer, and so oftentimes for people who are not salespeople by by background, by training, this is the mindset that they hadn't really thought about before that sort of prevents them because they think they're, they think that's something they're doing to somebody, right? I'm selling to someone. And that's, that's not what sales is. Effective selling is a service you provide in collaboration with, with your buyer, with your customer. And so I focus on and the, the curriculum in the sales house and in my books as well as is, is the human sales skills, right? Is how do I connect with someone initially? How do I make that first connection? How do I engage their interest? How do I start building the level of trust required? And then ultimately, how do I work with them to inspire them to take that final step and say, look, I want to do business with you. And, and I'll just give an example of one of the things that, that's sort of a cornerstone 
of of this this methodology, this, this philosophy is an acronym, and I tend to re- reduce things to acronyms to keep it easy for people to remember what to do in the moment. And one of our core acronyms is uh, BALD, B-A-L-D. And these are the four core human sales skills that if you can master these, you can form a relationship e- pretty easily with anyone, whether it's in business or in life. And so just running through the acronym real quickly, the B stands for be human. It's about demonstrating your curiosity, having respect for their time, being focused in the moment. A stands for ask great questions. L stands for listen slowly. And the D stands for deliver value. Be human, ask great questions, listen slowly, deliver value. So when you think about it from beginning a connection with a potential new prospect, a new customer, is there's this implicit bargain that's that's struck is the bar the bargain is the the customer's giving you some of their time to talk to you. What are you giving them in return? And if there's nothing exchanged in return, nothing of value for the buyer that helps them make progress toward making their decision, then you're not going to get any more time. So when we talk about being human, asking great questions, which is, you know, instead of talking about yourself, be curious about them, you know, demonstrate an authentic interest in someone else. It's the most uh, effective way to make yourself interesting to them. Uh, You know, listening slowly is that oftentimes, especially if you're a little nervous in a sales situation, you've got your set of questions you want to ask. When you ask your first question, you're already thinking about the second question you're going to ask you're not really listening to what the buyer is telling you or like the potential client is telling you. So you got to build in. And what I teach is, you know, you build in a physical pause to make sure you're actually listening, listening to what they're saying. And then I said, third one is just every time you interact with the buyer or the customer, you have to deliver something of value that helps them make progress toward making their, their decision. And so it's four very simple things in this acronym bald. And that's, that's the approach that sales house is built around is it's, it's really, it's not the tools. It's not the technology. It's not the service you sell. It's ultimately, it's you as the seller. That is the big point of differentiation, how you approach that initial contact, how you build those relationships is really ultimately what's decisive. I love that. I love, uh, I love how simple it is. Um, very much aligned with the the way we approach marketing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, uh, very, um, very easy to implement for, anyone. Yes. So let me ask you a question about a particular part of the the sales process. And this is a a piece of it that I know a lot of people get stuck on um, because they can look at at that acronym and go, okay, I get that. Um, And when I'm in front of a prospect, I mean, it's simple enough. Hearing your description, I think they could come close to executing it. Um, But the question then will be, well, how do I get in front of a prospect? Who are my prospects? And so how, how do you address prospecting in this process? Or how, do you, how would you advise a client of yours to, to begin to go about prospecting? Well, first of all, you have to look at it in the marketplace that you're addressing and show who, who is your ideal client profile, right? You have to identify what that company, that individual, you know, whatever the, the target is you have. So do the work to define that ideal client profile. And then use some of the, the tools that exist that are easy to use to start, uh, start building a position in the marketplace. And I, this is something I think it's a requirement for you know, big enterprise, small enterprise, solopreneurs is what do you care about? 
that's important to your clients. And so it could be as simple as, hey, I'm going to go on LinkedIn and first of all, I'm going to create a, you know, an interesting profile, assuming they have an interesting professional profile, is I'm going to start sharing content of other people that I find interesting. And you know, then maybe I might progress to, I'm going to start commenting on that, that content I find interesting, which then may progress to, hey, I've, I'm, I'm going to post my own opinion here occasionally. Because I guarantee you, especially in a business-to-business world, is if you're selling to a client, when you contact them, the first thing they're going to do when they hang up is they're going to look at your LinkedIn profile. And they're going to say, well, what does this person care about? What do they think about? What's their point of view? And so this is my urge to, to people in my, in this, you know, sort of like on solopreneur world or small enterprises, put that out there. What do you stand for? You know, who are you? You know, what, what do you care about and how's that relate to your clients? And, and that's just sort of one step and we could sort of go on that. Yeah. That's other steps beyond that in terms of, you know, if you're in a local market, how you make contact with people, whether it's through, uh, you know, email followed by cold calls or whether it's at networking events, but you have to put yourself out there with a point of view. And I think this is what differentiates people that do this effectively from those who don't is that when people look at them online, they say, Oh, they're interesting. And that gives you a leg up. Uh, and I think it's the one thing that is accessible no matter what size company you are. So if you're a company of one, or if you're a company of 1 million, you can still have an opinion. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, there's, and, and it costs the same either way. Yeah, I mean, I'm a company, was two of us now, but I've virtually been one for, for most of the time I've had my own company since the year 2000. And yeah, I mean, I've got 170,000 followers on LinkedIn. I mean, I, I, why? Well, it's because I'm putting myself out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm publishing content. I write about things that I care about that they care would care about as well. And you, know, you start building up a, a brand and a reputation. And, and that's what everybody needs to think about is even as solopreneurs, you have to build a brand. Well, and, and I know that there are going to be some people who are think they heard 170,000 followers on LinkedIn. They go, oh, well, it's easy for Andy. He's got 170,000 followers I started, on LinkedIn. I started at nothing, though. I mean, right. I mean, literally, like everybody else, right? You logged yeah, in, you right. created the account. It didn't come with the 170,000. Oh, no, no. It's, and, but they've all come in the last basically five, six years. So when I sort of reinvented myself about six years ago, I had had a consulting business for about 10, 12 years and uh, moved from Southern California. I got married and moved from Southern California to New York City where my, my wife lives and works and had to sort of start over. And so that's when I started down this path of writing my books and uh, doing the podcasts and uh, eventually here starting the sales house. And yeah, I, I virtually had none a handful of years ago. And so anybody can do it. If I can do it, certainly anybody else can do it. And you just have to have the willingness and the desire and you just have the persistence to stay with it and find, find your voice. But, but again, when let's say you're a solopreneur, maybe you're selling accounting services in a local market. Yeah, you know, there could be two dozen people that are your competitors in the in your client's mind's eye. You all look alike, unless you do something to differentiate yourself. And having a point of view, showing that you care about something, showing this is how you would approach it or how you think, that's that's information that sets you apart from your competitors. Yeah, you know, first time it really hit me. Um, 
as I was, I was beginning to get a marketing education um, back when I was in engineering um, and I owned a firm and I, we were, we were exhibiting at a trade show mm-hmm. and I was walking in the morning to the booth. They just opened up for all the vendors to walk in. And so it was quiet in there and I was walking down the rows of booths and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like if you covered up the logo on all of those booths, including ours, you wouldn't know which company was which because they all said essentially the same thing. It might've been rearranged in a different order. Mm-hmm. It was all the same bunch of nonsense, which was probably meaningless to clients. Right. Um, and, and that was like the moment I went like, oh, we got we to gotta start thinking radically differently about how we're going to approach things. And I think your point is, is, is right on the mark for most businesses. You cover up the logo and the name and you can't tell which one it is in any local market, even in any big market. Yeah. And so it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, as much as we want to take pride in the products and services we sell is as much as anything, it's people are buying us right? As individuals and, or as your salespeople, they're representing you. And this is why it's so important to get the right people and set the right culture within your company. If you're starting a small business, you're starting to hire salespeople because people are buying that individual primarily more so than your company. Yeah, I think very much so. Um, I think that's the first sale that's made before any money changes hands. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And so that's sort of what I'm known for in sort of the sales profession and people write about this widely and so on is, yeah, Andy's sort of the the human sales skills guy. And and for me, because that's that's constant, we're getting a tremendous amount of really interesting tools and technologies coming into sales, uh, artificial intelligence driven tools, and they're all useful but at the end of the day, the person's still buying from the person and you have to be able to master those core four skills. I talked about with BLD, be human, ask great questions, listen slowly, deliver value. You do that. You're always going to stand apart. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm imagining there are some business owners who are listening to this thinking, okay, I've got a problem now. I know about <laughs> the problem I have. Where do they where do they get started? Obviously, Sales House, I'm sure, is going to be a great solution for them. But even if they go and they check that out and they become a, a client of yours, where, in, where, where do you think if they're starting kind of at the beginning, where should they go first? Yeah, well, within, within the Sales House, we have a core course we call it the Foundations of Sales Growth. And this takes somebody through. It's, it's, it's an investment. It's six and a half hours of the basics, right, is to give you the grounding, the foundation to say, okay, if I can master these core skills, these core mindsets, these core uh, values, that this is going to set me up for future success. And so we really start right at, right at ground level and start building sort of this, this pyramid, if you will. And um, that's what all of our new members go through when they first come on. And they get involved in the coaching on a weekly basis in our community, which, as I said, is a very engaged community, a lot of uh, great interaction between members because, you know, yeah, I'm just one head, and I always think many heads are smarter than one. So, you know, getting group input is really important. But, yeah, just people come in, they start the foundations of sales growth, and it's just a way to sort of accelerate to sort of the rocket ship to start off their journey. So, um, yeah, people are interested. Yeah, RGP, your listeners, you know, contact me directly at andy at the salesoutcom and um, you know, sh- 
answer any questions you have about it. If you just want to check out the site, you can go to thesaleshouse.com. And uh, yeah, we look forward to talking to people. That's great. And, um, you know, I, I think for anybody who is who's sitting there thinking, God, I'm not really that, you know, that excited about selling. I know I need to do it and I need to get better at it. <laughs> which is um, the common, which is the common attitude, right? It's, it's yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I'll tell you, I, I used to have that attitude myself. I mean, I, the, the person that I described to you earlier was me about, I don't know, 15 years ago. And, um, and then I realized a lot of the things that, that you're talking about, um, you know, and, and your approach, which, um, you know, there are, there are certainly others who, who talk about this idea of it's, it's, you know, selling is really a, a service that you offer. Um, somehow or another, I stumbled upon that and mm-hmm. it all began to make sense. Um, and so I, I love the approach and, and um, well, I, I think this is, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think for, for people listening to it, the other perspective to think about, especially if you're a solopreneur, if you're a service provider of any sort, I mean, think about your motivations for wanting to be in that business. I mean, to some degree, I'm sure it's because you want to help people and help them you know, solve certain problems, help them achieve certain things in their lives and in their careers. Well, yeah, to me, that's the fascinating thing about sales is, is and think it's sort of, sort of a contradiction, I think, for some people is, you know, they don't like the idea of doing it, but it opens the door to meeting really interesting people that you have the opportunity to help. And so I think if you have this innate curiosity about people, which you obviously do if you're in a, you know, a people-based service profession, selling is just part of that. And you really have to think about it that way. This is, this is one thing that's always kept me interested and engaged in my career. I've been fortunate in my career to sell on seven, seven, oh, six, six of the seven continents uh, that exist, everything but Antarctica, is I've just met all these fascinating people. And, and I've been able to help, help many of them. And same thing, same thing with my podcast, you know, 700 episodes. It's like, I've just met 700 really smart, interesting people. So if you have that curiosity, then that makes the selling easier. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, thank you for investing some time with us today. Um, and I encourage everybody to go check out the salehouse, excuse me, the saleshouse.com. And we're going to link that in the show notes. And, um, and Andy, this has just been a, a, a pleasure and a lot of fun. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.